Good morning, church. So we just sang together a song, uh, the song about the secret place, run into the secret place. It's a beautiful song, absolutely beautiful song. What I want you to do is just keep that in mind because that very act of running to the secret place, of going face to face with God and being in his presence, um, that wasn't always possible for us. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Well, we continue in our series called Untangled. We're looking at an opportunity that we have to restore or create a new and deeper closeness in our relationship with God. Um, this series came about because of the need that arose in my life to do this very thing, to, to deal with the mess, the tangle that my life had become and get back to where I was closer to God, back to where I should be, um, handing off to him the tangle that my life had become and letting him restore me to his path, the path that he had um, for me, the path with him, the path that is characterized by closeness with him that I need to be on all the time. We talked about something that I'm referring to as the ancient path, the journey that we take through life, through the life that was intended for us, a journey that involves just us and God on that path. God invites us into a close relationship with him, and that relationship is the first and best thing that we have to offer the people around us. The influence that God has on us in our closeness with him is the source of the influence that we will have on others, that God will have on others as he influences them through us. And then last week we dealt with that deceptive and powerful, powerful word, mine. We worked on our perspective regarding our possessions who truly owns the things and relationships in our lives and even our thoughts and our feelings and our decisions. Who do those belong to? Possessions can never be allowed to get in the way of our closeness with God. They don't share the path with us and God. It's just us and God. Possessions can never steal our devotion on a path that is only meant for us and God. Um, I had the privilege then after last week's service of gathering up these sheets that you guys filled out and left over here at the cross. And I was so moved looking through these and, um, and just seeing the commonality, seeing the reality that, church, we have so much in common in the things that we're struggling with, in the way that we struggle with our possessions and our thoughts of ownership of those possessions and, and the power that they've been given in our lives. There was so much that was similar in so many of these and not just the things that you listed, but the prayers. And it was such a delight to think about how God heard a mass of common prayers being lifted up to him in this place last Sunday as we handed over to him the possessions that we have often thought are ours that actually belong to him. And I am absolutely confident that he heard and was blessed by our prayers. And he will answer. He will answer. He'll help us remove anything that takes up space on the path that he created just for us and him. Having the kind of perspective that we talked about last week toward our possessions and the fact that God is our source of all that we need will contribute to the depth of our closeness with him. 
It makes a difference. We come to him with empty hands, depending on him fully for everything, even the very breath that we breathe. And out of that comes a beautiful closeness in a relationship between the creator and his creation, between the father and his children. He wants to care for us. And we want his care. Even though something in our nature fights against that desire and wants, to, wants us to be our own provider, we want God to be our provider. We need closeness with God. St. Augustine, a 5th century theologian and philosopher, said regarding our relationship with God, he said this speaking to God, he said, Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. There's a longing inside every one of us for a close, personal, intimate relationship with the one who created us for himself. But we struggle daily with a selfish, self-centered draw towards being self-sufficient in our lives and having no need for that relationship, no need for God. Here's part of the problem. Our self is tangible. I can see myself. I can see my possessions. I can see my circumstances and measure my own success based on those circumstances. What I can't see is the one I need to be close to. God is invisible. That essential relationship I have with him is not something I can see or touch. And so when we talk about closeness with God, it's often an abstract conversation. It's a hard thing to wrap our heads around. We long for the presence of someone we can't see and a relationship that's simply not as tangible as our daily earthly lives. And so my desire in this series, among many other desires that I have in this series, is to help make this relationship a, a bit more tangible, in a sense. I know it's hard to grasp this whole idea of closeness with God and the ancient path. And so I want to tap into some of what God's people had long, long ago that made this something that they could grasp a little easier, maybe. And that's why you see some props down here on the main level this morning. And that's why we're going to share communion today. I know this is not the first Sunday of the month. I'm breaking tradition. But I couldn't see us talking about about this topic today without remembering what Jesus has done for us. And so we're going to do that together. Um, next Sunday, we're going to have communion again. And yes, I know that next Sunday is also not the first Sunday of the month. But next Sunday on October 30th, we're going to have a family service and we're going to have communion together. And I'm not doing this to confuse you or catch you off guard. That's just how things have played out this month. Scott mentioned that we're having Minnesota Adult Teen Challenge here on November 6th, with, which is the first Sunday of the month. Um, but we're not going to do communion on that Sunday. We shuffled things around a bit. And, and today's just a random one. I'm adding communion. We're going to enjoy that together. We have a theme passage from the Bible this morning that comes from the book of Hebrews. If you want to turn there now, you can. Um, it is a tremendous, but all the, the scripture is going to be up here on the screen, so don't worry if you don't have a Bible with you. It's a tremendous declaration of the reality of the relationship that we've been invited into, that relationship with God. So let's get that in front of us before we take a, a look at the things that I set out here. This is Hebrews chapter 10. 
We're going to read verses 19 through 22. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. And this is what it says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, I believe that it can be very helpful for us to consider the way things were when we think about the way things are. It's so easy for us to take for granted the way things are now when it comes to our relationship with God. We have direct access to the Father. But since He is invisible and so much around us is visible, we get distracted by the visible and take the invisible for granted far too easily. People did not always have the kind of access to God that we enjoy now. Closeness with God was not even a consideration. God established a place for his presence on earth among his people, and that place that he established was highly restricted. In the book of Exodus, God instructed his people on how they were to set up the place where his presence would dwell. He would dwell in a temple, and for a while it was a tent. In the innermost part of that temple was a place called the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, and that's where the glory of God's presence dwelled. Only following very strict requirements on the Day of Atonement, one priest would be permitted to enter that place. Now, I'm not going to say a lot more about that place this morning, the Holy of Holies, even though there's plenty more to learn about it. And about the temple, I want us to focus this morning a bit on the area outside the Holy of Holies. And so what I've laid out here before you today, that you're going to interact with in a little while here, is a representation of some of the things that existed in the temple outside of the Holy of Holies, before you got to the Holy of Holies. When you would come into God's temple, you would come first into an outer courtyard, and the first thing that you would encounter was an altar. And on that altar, which is represented by this stack of wood, and I need to put a big disclaimer on all of this right now. None of this is to scale. <laughs> None of this is 100% historically accurate. That's not what I was going for, okay? Um, besides which, we don't have room in this, this space right here to do all of it to scale. Um, these are representations of the things that I want to talk about here related to the temple. In the outer courtyard, you would come to an altar, the altar was the first thing you'd encounter, and what happened at this altar was sacrifice. This is where morning and evening animals were sacrificed, and they were sacrificed for the sake of our sin, the sin of mankind. God's people, their sins were forgiven through this process of a sacrifice being made. And so twice a day, animals were brought to the altar and sacrificed to the Lord for the forgiveness of sins. So the altar was there. Next to the altar was a large basin full of water. And this was intended for ritual washing. You would come then to the basin and you would wash, priests would wash their hands and feet. Um, there was a, a, a cleansing that needed to take place to make you qualified to be in this space. 
So you needed to wash, and there was a place there where people could wash as they approached the temple, the inner temple. Then you would come to uh, a place that was called, uh, there was a table, and I won't get into all the details on how this table was made up. There was instructions on what the table was to look like, and the things that were on the table were to be made of pure gold, all that kind of stuff. We couldn't afford that with our budget, so (laughs) you didn't get the pure gold today, um, and it removes temptation anyway. Um, There was a table, and on that table was bread. Bread was left there daily as an offering to God, and it was always there. It had some different names. It was called the bread of the presence. It was also called the shoe bread or show bread, and there were 12 unleavened pieces of bread, loaves of bread that were placed on that table, to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And this was another thing that was there all the time. This was required to always be there. There was always an offering presented to God. And it was a response to the fact that God was their provider. This was an offering back to him saying, you have provided for us. This is the first cut of what you've provided. This represents us giving back to you out of what you've given to us. And so there was bread on the table and it was always there. And then you went into uh, an inner place, you went through a veil, and you entered into a place where, where no natural light was allowed in. And so there was a lampstand. And it wasn't a single pillar that you know, we got from a local store. It was a menorah, and there was all kinds of significance that I won't get into for, with that menorah, why it was built the way it was. And, uh, but there was a light in there, and that light represented the light of God's presence. It represented the light of God's word. It was there because it was a representation of God and it represented something that was to come later that we're going to talk about as well. But it was the only light in that space so that your focus was there. Then there was a place uh, where incense was put. This is something that burned every day. And I did not go for something that burns right now so that we don't have smoke all over the place. Can you imagine the sprinkler system coming on in the middle of a really profound sermon here? That would be great. Um, So we've gone with the potpourri type of incense, okay? But there was incense there that was always there, and, and it served a couple of purposes. One was they wanted the dwelling place of God to smell nice, okay? And that's legit because remember what happened way out here in the altar? That didn't smell very nice. Inside, as you approached the Holy of Holies, was incense that was burned all the time, and it was to help the place smell beautiful. It was also there to represent, as it burned, to represent prayers going up to God, rising to heaven. And that was outside of the Holy of Holies. Now, after that, you would come to this massive curtain that separated the rest of the temple from the Holy of Holies. And like I said, there was, there was only one time a year when a priest would come into that place, but at that point, it was blocked off. And what I've done here is where we come to take communion today, I've put up a couple of wooden frames that represent something where a curtain would hang, but there is no curtain. We're going to talk about why there was no curtain. These things that are up here, Symbolic. This is just because 
a continuation of that path to the Holy of Holies. But when we come for communion, we're going out here. And those frames represent the reality that there is no longer a curtain that hangs in that place where we are separated. Because something incredible happened to that curtain. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record what happened. In Matthew 27, 51, it says, And behold, the curtain of the temple, that very curtain that separated people from the Holy of Holies, was torn in two from top to bottom. Mark wrote in Mark 15, 38, that the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. In Luke 23, 44, and 45, it says that there was darkness over the whole land, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And when did this happen? It happened when Jesus was crucified and died on the cross. The curtain that separated humans from God was destroyed. And it doesn't say that someone came into the temple, drew their sword, and cut the curtain down. There was no human involved. God tore the curtain down. God did. And this was no small curtain, so it was no small event. It fell, torn in two from top to bottom, with no one there but God to do the tearing. Something new was happening. That curtain would no longer separate God and the people that he created. Suddenly, in a matter of seconds, the path between us and God was opened up. And that curtain would never be repaired and rehung. The era of separation was over. But remember, there was an era, a very long era of separation. I am eternally grateful that I don't live in an age when people could not access God. They couldn't sing about going to the secret place. I am eternally grateful that I have the final high priest, Jesus, who has become the way to the Father, and he invites me to come and be in his presence. I am eternally grateful that Jesus came and made a way, and the Spirit of God living in me directly connects me to him. By that Spirit, I can live in God's presence every moment of my life and not wait for someone else to enter his presence on my behalf. So much was accomplished in that brief moment when God's Son gave up his life for you and me and opened the way for us to join the ancient path. God's temple, that restricted, forbidden place of long ago, has now become my spirit, my body even. You and I are now the place where God dwells. And church, we cannot take this for granted. We cannot return in our minds and hearts to where God exists in a place that I can't go and I need someone else to tell me about him and tell me what he wants from me and from my life. We are, we are not separated. We are not alone. We are not cut off, separated from God. We live in his presence and we have access to the Father. I want to return to the temple and the things that were found there. I want us to see something that I'm sure we considered when I was describing what was there in that temple. I want us to consider Jesus. 
In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul writes this to the church about their struggle with arrogance. He's talking about that. He says, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. There's a great title for us. I'm, I'm a new lump. As you really are unleavened for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Paul writes about Jesus having been sacrificed. Think about the altar in the temple courtyard. A sacrifice had to be made for the sin of the people. Sin separated us from God. A sacrifice made it possible to return to God. And every morning and evening when another animal was sacrificed for the sin of the people, that sacrifice pointed ahead to the final sacrifice that was made to Jesus Christ. Your sin was forgiven. The price for what you have done and will do was paid in full when Jesus died on the cross. In Hebrews 10.22, the tail end of our theme passage, this is what it says. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What did you come across next to the altar in the temple? A basin for washing. Jesus came to wash us clean and make our presence with God possible. We are invited into the water of baptism to symbolize the washing that took place through what Jesus did for us on the cross. We have been washed clean by Jesus. He reminded the Apostle Peter that he had already washed him clean. So clean before God we stand. John 6, 35 Jesus said to them, he said to his followers, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. On the table, in the temple, was the bread of the presence. It was there as an offering to God. Jesus offered himself as the bread of life. He was the ultimate offering to God. He gave himself to the Father and he invites us to do the same. Jesus is our bread. He is all we need to live. He gives us strength. He gives us nourishment. He points us to the one who provides everything we need, including all that he gave us through Jesus. John eight twelve. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There was a light in the temple. It was the only source of light at this point in the temple. Among other things, it symbolized Jesus, the light of the world. God sent the light into the world. That light guided us home to our Father. There was no other way to get to the Father as we stumbled around in the dark. We now live daily in the light of God's presence. There's so many things that would have been different in my life if I had remained wandering around in the dark. But I'm not there anymore. I walk in the light of God's presence. He guides me. He protects me. He brings me joy and hope and peace and so much more as I walk with him because of what Jesus did. Hebrews 7, 25 
It says, consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save the uttermost, saved to the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him, since he always, always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus became the eternal high priest. I would encourage you very strongly sometime in the very near future to pick up the book of Hebrews and read through it. It's going to show you an awful lot about what happened when Jesus came, died, rose again, and became our high priest forever. There's so much taught about that in the book of Hebrews. Remember the incense? It represented prayers floating, floating up to God all of the time. Now imagine this. Jesus is also praying. He intercedes for us constantly. We approach God confidently through Jesus. And as we do, God hears the Son interceding on our behalf. Now, how amazing is that? And finally, there's the curtain, the veil. There's the entrance into the Holy of Holies. And now, instead of a curtain... There's an opening. And there's not only an opening, there's a companion. Now, through Jesus, who removed the veil that separated us from God, we have access to the Holy of Holies. In fact, we have become the very dwelling place of the Most High. What needed to happen to make this relationship with God possible? Jesus needed to happen, and he did happen. God sent his son, and the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Brothers and sisters, we must acknowledge what Jesus has done for us. No more living outside the temple, afraid that we're not good enough to enter in. We're good enough because we have taken on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and have become a bride worthy of his love. Do you want to make your relationship with God closer and more tangible? Remind yourself of what Jesus has done to make that possible. Remind yourself that there was a time when you would not have had this privilege of closeness to God. Move towards God in your thoughts, in your words, in your actions. I want to encourage you to live out the steps through the temple that we've looked at today. Remember the altar. Present yourself as a living sacrifice to God every day. Die to yourself and live for him. Remember the basin. You have been washed clean by Jesus. Now invite Jesus to wash your feet daily of the dirt that you pick up, that we all pick up in this world that we live in. Invite him to do that. Ask for that. Remember the bread offering. Offer up all your possessions to God every day and let him be your provider as you give it all to him and desire only him. Remember the light Live in that light. Invite that light into every single aspect of your life. No hidden corners or rooms anymore. All of it brought into the light of Christ. Remember the incense. Pray. 
Pray without ceasing. Talk to God. Listen to God. Thank Jesus for his intercession on your behalf. Invite the Spirit to take the things that you can't even begin to put into words and deliver them to God. And remember the curtain. Because it's gone. Don't hesitate. Approach the throne with confidence. You are welcome in God's presence. Now I assume it's obvious to you why we're taking communion today. Living in God's presence required what Jesus did for us on the cross. He gave up his body and allowed his blood to be shed so that his father would tear the curtain down and welcome us into his presence, welcome us home. So when you come to the table, come with that in mind. Consider the altar, the basin, the bread, the light, the incense. Consider, as you come to the tables with the elements of communion, consider the absence of the curtain. Jesus made a way. Jesus is the way. What we're going to do as we enter into a time of sharing communion together is simply this. Um, we're going to sing now, we're going to sing a couple of songs, and during those two songs, you have the opportunity to come forward and take the elements of communion from over here. Take them and return to your seat and hold on to them, because I think it's important for us to do this all together today. So during those first two songs, just come and get the elements. If you're sitting in like the first five rows here, I would encourage you to just go out this way. Go to the outside and come around the back so you don't just skip to the first one and come up. But experience this. Embrace this. These symbols of what was there in the temple, of what Jesus did for us. Make your way slowly through this. Be praying. Be in thought and, and consideration here as you look at all these things that represent what Christ did for us. And then come forward to one side or the other. Take the elements back to your seat. And after these two first songs... I will come back up here and we will take communion together as a body and then we'll close with a final song. Let me pray for you as we prepare for this. Father, as we uh, now enter into a time of sharing communion together, I ask that you would just bring these things to life for us. That we would truly acknowledge that you went to great lengths, extreme lengths by sending your son to die for us so that he would blaze the trail. He would open up the path to you where we could enter into your presence. God, I thank you that you did this. And we don't have to go through life cut off from you, separated from you. Even though that's what we deserve, even though our sin is real, for every single one of us, we have done things and will do things that go against who you are. And those things should separate us from you. But we come now to a time of remembering what Jesus did so that the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom and the way opened up for us to come into your presence.
God, I pray that you would help us not to take this for granted. That we would daily remember that it took Jesus giving up his body for us, taking our place and becoming the final sacrifice. That it took Jesus entering into the Holy of Holies as the final high priest for all of eternity that it took Jesus' blood being shed for the forgiveness of our sins, and that all of this happened so that we could be with you now and for all eternity. Thank you for your love for us that doesn't just see the mess that we've made of our lives, the things that we've done to separate us from you. When you look at us, you see Jesus see us as clean because of what he did. And so God, thank you for the body of Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for this new covenant that Jesus brought that invited us into a new relationship with you. Where we live in your presence every moment of every day. From now into all of eternity. Father, speak to us as we come now and take the elements. We come in a spirit of thanksgiving for your love, for your son, Jesus Christ, for your spirit who dwells in us. Do this in Jesus' name.